Last time on Colony Confidential. It's one of the things that I'm trying to instill in my managers as well. Catching people before they make the mistake doesn't really teach them. It's no good. But they expect you're going to jump in. They don't buy their decision. He'll make it wrong. He'll jump in. A quote from Winston Churchill. The truly great are separated from the merely good by how they react to adversity. And before I read that, I used to say, everybody gets a little shit in their life. How you react to that shit matters more than you got some shit. And it doesn't matter how much money you got. Everybody gets a little shit. There's, there was a meme many years ago, and it was a big loaf of bread, right? Like a hero. And yeah. it said, the more bread you want, the bigger the shit sandwich. Okay, so we're interviewing David Marshall from Arizona. Going to ask him how his yard's going. And Mr. and Mrs. America, all the ships at sea, Ed Sheehan for Colin Confidential. Today, we're uh, lucky enough to interview Dave Marshall, and we're going to learn about some stuff out in Arizona. So, Joey Buns, the brains. We're here with Dave Marshall from Arizona Pest Squad, obviously out of Arizona. David, welcome. Thank you for being on. Thank you for having me. I met David a while ago. I'm not even sure if you remember, David. We were sitting in Baltimore at the Residex Target booth. And you were actually trying to get numbers on a city bid in Arizona for treating. One of the main questions, certainly for PMP, is how you got started in pest control. I have a, a very unique situation. So pest control, it's odd because everyone, since I've been in the business 10, 11 years, everyone has a different story how they got into it. Mine's rather unique. I worked in a music business for 30 years in L.A. My career at that point was gangster rap. There's probably not a gangster rap artist from the 90s that I haven't worked with. From Tupac, Snoop Dogg, Dr. Warren G. I was in San Francisco with Master P. That promo ended. I was sitting at the bar and met this beautiful lady. She's from Tempe, Arizona. I was living in L.A. We ended up getting married, and I ended up moving to Tempe, Arizona. I was actually uh, about to retire. Her brother came to our house one day and said that he quit his job. And I, and I said, hey... You can't quit your job unless you have another job. He goes, nah, I work in pest control and I've been working at this company for six years. I got integrity and they got a new manager and I've been working the Scottsdale route and I didn't want me to do this, that, and the other thing. And I didn't want to do it. So I just straight cold turkey quit. And he explained to me about pest control. He was a tech leader, tech guy. He wasn't a business guy. One thing led to another. I ended up investing into Arizona Pest Patrol in 2011, put about a quarter million on the table. I was the marketing business management guy and he had the technical experience. Since I then worked with some gazillion dollar platinum recording artists in Los Angeles, I figured I could market anything. So we got to the point where we got the company rolling, Arizona Pest Patrol, and but there's a small company way up north that had Pest Patrol. <laughs> so, so at that time, Robert Tolton and Vince Craig were administrative people. Now they're directors. And they told me, they were like, what do you want to do? Let's make it easy. I said, I talked to my people. We're just going to change the last name to Squad. Arizona Pest Squad. A lot of people go, that's easy, Dave. It wasn't that easy because I had to redo all my t-shirts, my trucks, websites, Arizona Cooperation Commission, anything you can imagine that I had spent 14 months pushing and branding my Yelp page, my BBB page, everything. I had to all change. That cost me about 45,000 bucks. 
but it could have cost me more if I went to court. And Department of Ag had a lot of love for me. I walked in the door. I said, hey, look, I'm going to make it easy for everybody. I'm going to change the name from Arizona Pest Patrol to Arizona Pest Squad. So if you look me up on the Arizona Corporation Commission, you can follow and see about when all that happens because you have to amend all your business paperwork and whatnot. More to the story is to make sure before you open your company and spend a bunch of money on branding, marketing, and whatnot, make sure that you go a step beyond. Don't, don't just, I was going to say, don't just, let Department of Ag approve the name through Department of Ag public announcements at the meetings that they have down there. And at those meetings, everyone doesn't go to those meetings. So if they announce, hey, we're approving this company, Arizona Pest Patrol, anyone in here have an issue with that? There's a lot of small companies that might have an issue with it. And I was extremely flamboyant when I started. I was all over the place because I'm a marketing guy. I don't think that's changed, Dave. Coming from LA where I worked at, it was about who you knew. So I just tried to hit everybody and everyone was wondering who is this um, guy all over the place with these cars and he just popped out of nowhere. I had four or five cars in a row, like within the first two or three years, substantial growth. But I just like to make sure that we get into that because it's important that people, a lot of guys that I met and I talked to a lot of guys in the streets, I pull over and gas stations and whatnot. I try to make sure that they know that there's a business side to this. And the business side is you need to make sure that you have everything lined up because you can lose your company just that fast. I was smart. I already had a bunch of people in a little board. My wife's the CFO of a big company and I have people from KPMG, whatever. I had a bunch of people, the president of Rockford Fosgate, where my wife was the CFO there. A lot of people, I went and said, hey, what do I do? They said, whatever you do, Dave, take the easy road out because it's going to cost you a lot of money trying to battle someone. I looked at the guy's Yelp reviews and I saw that they had a questionable reputation on his services. And I decided that I, I will take that road out. So I'd rather spend a 45 than battle for something and try to rebrand it. It was already tossed off. So I, that's how I developed Arizona Pet Squad. Within about four months after that, I was sitting in my office doing some marketing and my wife called me and said these words. You ready? Everybody listening? Theron died. That's your brother-in-law. Well, Theron worked at a company for seven years and he was like, a, he knew what he was doing. He had a lot of integrity. He had a great reputation with the customers. Everybody loved him. And flashback, that's why I'm like straightforward. And when I do stuff, I don't really know any other way of doing it. I didn't work at another company. I had a bad experience. I hated my, my lead guy or my training guy. Or, I didn't have that because when I came into the business, I came into the business straight up legit. I didn't know any other way of doing it. So when Theron died, I sat down with these people again. I go, here we go again, everybody. What do we do now? <laughs> and they said, that, they said, Dave, you got a couple of things you can do. It looks like you need to learn pest control. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. Oh. <laughs> it's not just that. It's just that um, I, was, I, I owned the company. When we launched the company, we did a 30-30-30 on it. I told Theron that, hey man, once we get it going, you can buy it and you can own it and I'm walking away. Always. You know, I had I had all these trucks and all this equipment and didn't know how to work none of it. Andrew died I was working at Univar. So I walked in Univar and I go, hey man, I'm having issues. He goes, yeah, I heard Theron died. Cause Theron was the one that went to Univar to buy products and everything. And I walked in Univar and I said, guys, this is a B&G, how do you use it? <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, it's a true story, man. I think it was 2013, first quarter. And, and it was my first time using a, a BNG. And then they took me outside and showed me how to use the backpack. And they showed me how to fill it up, dilute it, shake it, agitate it, 
I wasn't dealing with chemicals. I was just approving budgets and, you know. Yeah, no, you were the business behind, the businessman. So the reason, so this is going to mean a lot to you because I talked to my wife and a few other people and I said, I, I'm not going to do this, man. What do I do? And they were like, you, you should just go be honest with your customer. Just go to your customer and say, hey, look, Fan died. He was the guy who used to come. I'm, I, you, you met me from scheduling and whatnot. And so I remember I went to the first customer. I, this is true. Tiffany Anderson was the first customer I serviced on my own. So I walked up, I had a brand new nice shirt on, and I was I had nice stuff for my guys. Because I always believed that if you give everybody the, the right tools and equipment and stay top notch and give them the... Um, the, the tools they need to be successful and they're going to go ahead and work hard and, and help you build a brand that company. So I said, Hey, Tiffany, Hey, what are you doing here? <laughs> I said, I told you fear and die. She said, yeah, I go, I'm going to be doing the service now. And I said, this, this, I'll never forget these words. I said that uh, I, I've just learned how to work this thing. And if, if you give me a chance to try to learn, then I, I promise you I'll do the best I can and we can do this together. And I did that with every customer and I, I didn't have one person that was against that. Everybody appreciated the honesty. And so from that moment on, I figured that, man, this is a business that you can be honest with. You can have a lot of fun and help people. You're going to make your money. But I, the situation I was in, I wasn't scrapping. I'm not saying, I'm just saying my situation. Like I know a lot of guys that didn't have bucks to start their company up and they had to get a beat down truck and this, and they slowly grew and they're probably hot companies right now. I, I just opened up a line of credit and got to give everybody American Express cards and tablets and whatever. So Tiffany Anderson, and then I rolled her on out and I, then I developed that route and got pretty excited because I got a, out of nowhere, I was sitting at my desk, out of nowhere, I got an email from MPMA, Jim Fredericks. Back then it was 2013. And he said that, hey, you've been uh, nominated to be on a diversity committee. And I hit my wife, I go, I said, finally, something's working out. But flashback, when I opened the company, the first thing I did was get a, a, a membership with MPMA. I got a credit with the BBB, the Chamber of Commerce, all that type of stuff, because I learned all that stuff in the music side. So I got that email from, I think it was Janae. I forgot Janae's last name, but I became really good friends with Janae. Rick Water, yeah. And it was interesting because you, you get a nominee to this committee where you got to spend your money to go there and go to the meeting. So I looked at it, I said, I said, I told my wife, I said, it's a good chance for you and I to go to Orlando. We can go to the first national conference. I said, we can actually meet people from a national level in our business and we can learn different things and different uh, strategies from other people. Arizona wasn't the most friendly environment for me. I'm not going to say why or whatever. It's not, it's just when I popped out, I was aggressive and you know, I think it might've rubbed a few people the wrong way because I wasn't, I didn't sign up for AZPPO initially. I signed up for MPMA because I went to the first meeting and I just thought that they would talk to themselves. And I just, I didn't understand the state association, but every time I went to MPMA, people were welcoming and talk to you. It was just this thing. I really admired it. So, I, so we put that investment out. We figured that we get to know people. I put about 10,000 on that trip because I wanted to go do a bunch of stuff. I wanted to meet people. I wanted to do dinners and this and that. So I went to the conference, went to the diversity committee, I put my card down at the table at every seat so people could know who I was because I, I felt like an outsider. Before I went there, I looked at everyone's business and what they had going on. And I was like, man, I'm the smallest business on this, on this list. So I only been open one year and I'm at an MPMA committee signed up. And, and so I, I, I talked to Wayne, I talked to Faye. That's when I, I met all the powerhouse guys 
that were like me. I'm a Black-owned company. My dad is Italian and my mother's Jamaican. And so I talked to Wayne, I was looking for information, man. I wouldn't let them leave the room, bro. They were like, who's this guy, man? And so to this day, I'm really good friends with Faye, Wayne. Guy named Jason Payne pulled me to the side and said, hey man, do you have you set up a Pacific Supplier Minority Development Council? I said, no. I said, what is that? They go, they're in Arizona, man. You gotta get hooked up with them. So I said, okay, I'm gonna hit them up and try to get certified with them. Took me three years, I finally got certified with them because you have to have all your ducks in a row. Yeah. You're not gonna get signed up to be a minority business enterprise just walking in the door. You gotta have a slew of paperwork. And at first I was gonna quit. I was like, ah, I'm not getting all this together. I'm running routes, I'm building the company, we're making money. I said, man, we're already at like six, $700,000. I'm not good, man, forget that stuff. But then my wife said, hey man, if you do all these different things, it'll get you together structurally. You might not get nothing out of it for a long time, but the different things they're asking you for are gonna be structured so that when you look to expand and do other things, you already be lined up. So I said, okay, Amy, let's do it, man. So along with everything else, I put that on my table. Those are the struggles of small business is doing the work and then building the foundation for when you're able to expand. But it does, like you said in the very beginning about getting all your ducks in a row and with the branding and everything, if you start with that foundation, then it'll be easier to grow when the time comes. It sounds like you took three years to get that in place. I think a lot of small business people go through that where they get out the gate running. They have the same thought process. I'm making money. I'm doing good. I'll do this when I have time. But if you do it now, you right. can then, like you said, grow quicker. Well, the first thing I did was get set up with the BBB. I figured that, hey, I'm really not sure what I'm doing here. At least they have eight standards of ethics. I said, so if I get set up with them, at least I can get pushed in that direction so I can make sure I'm doing it right. If I get certified in 2012, then I said that what's gonna happen is that I can qualify myself to win the award later on down the line. I was a stock market guy back in the day, so I understand investments. So I invested into the BBB early on, and then I won the award in 2018. You just got finished explaining to people that if you wait, it gets set up with the BBB or these other different companies, then what organizations, then what happened is you'll lose that four or five years and you have to start from there. I figured if I'm branding and spending money and doing this, that, and the other thing, I might as well get everything lined up right now. I signed up with a bunch of organizations and the ones that I did concentric marketing, the ones that didn't work for me, I still let them drop off. And I signed up for Arizona Multi-Housing multi Association. And I sat in that first meeting, I realized that all the larger companies had the multi-housing set up and they had them plugged up already because a lot of those guys were vice presidents of these bigger companies and they were sitting on the board of Arizona Multi-Housing Corporation. That was a bad place to spend money. Whereas the BBB was good for me because there's a lot of pest control companies that didn't look at the BBB for the different things I was looking at it for, the traits and business development agendas and the partnership. So they didn't do it. To this very day, I'm probably the number one company. If you look me up on the Better Business Bureau, I'm the, probably the number one pest management company on the BBB. Aren't you up for another award with them right now? I am. I just got my 2021 nomination. I won in 2018. I got nominated for 19 and 20. They bumped me because you can't win the award every three, you have to wait every three years. And then this year they said that it looks good. And I want to tell people that when you go to your customers to do your services, you make sure you communicate with them. And there's nothing wrong with doing a great job and saying, hey, look, this person right here is the community 
uh, director for the Better Business Bureau. If you like my service, can you send her an email saying how much you like my service? Before I got nominated, I started asking all my customers this, and I got almost 75 letters emailed to them just yeah. by asking someone. 75 letters, two mayors, Mayor Gilbert and Mayor Chandler, two mayors emailed them because I was smart. When I did my first ribbon cutting in 2011, 12, I invited the city council member, Corey Woods, to a ribbon cutting. And I did the ribbon cutting with the Chamber of Commerce. And I did that at the location called Blue Media where I was having my cars wrapped. <laughs> so, so I invited the guy that did my uniforms. I had the Chamber of Commerce there. I had Corey Woods there, city council member. I had everybody there. The people that did my marketing, they helped me. We're all at that ribbon cutting. If you look at my website, that's why I never changed my website. It still looks old and raggedy because it's a good memory, man. Anyone can do a website now. But if you look at my website the way it is now, that's where I started, where I came from. If you look at that one photograph of us standing there with the ribbon cutting, you'll see Theron there with his wife and you'll see me there and all of us there. I'm going to go ahead and change that now, I think. <laughs> i got to update the website. <laughs> Are you getting like online reviews and stuff like that through Google or just Yelp and Angie's List? I just do the BBB now because I have my marketing strategy is to win the award and we're a small company. I did Yelp for a while. I kind of graduated from Yelp because I got people can go on Yelp and say whatever. I had an incident where a customer told me that, hey, look, they bought the coupon on Yelp. I did some marketing with them and they told me that, hey, look, if you don't give me another free service, I'm going to give you a bad review. So they could do that because they could just go do it and you can try to fight it with Yelp. And I told Yelp about the whole thing, my rep at Yelp, and they were like, it's first amendment, brother. And I was like, okay, what's up to you guys? And then I directed my budgets toward the BBB because if someone can go do a bad review on BBB, it goes through a committee and they look at your total reputation and either they put it on there or they don't. Like right now, if you look me up on BBB, five stars, 60 something reviews, you can actually read my, my reviews and see that it's all kind of consistent with most around how I treat customers and what. It's recommended um, that whatever works for you, you do it. I agree. We have Better Business Bureau. And the thing I like about them, Better Business Bureau is more business owner oriented and the other ones are more consumer oriented. You could argue stuff on Google and stuff like that, but it really is more for the consumers, especially Yelp. We just started a Yelp page recently, but we don't really utilize it. But yeah, I agree. People try to hold you hostage for a good or bad Absolutely. review. Because yeah. I started Yelp in 2012, and there was only like three or four companies doing Yelp then in Arizona. And I popped off 79 reviews in about three or four months. Because every customer I went to, I was like, I need a review. If I'm doing good, you can give me a review, can't you? Like that. And, and then I had people actually hit me up asking me how to get the Yelp page set up. I figured that through MPMA and other people that were helping me with leadership and whatever to get my company going, I figured that, hey, man, I'm going to extend that to other people, even though it was tough because was, so I'm going to help someone learn how to launch their Yelp page and be a direct competitor to me. And they're already a direct competitor to me. But my wife was like, don't look at it like that. Look at it as though you're helping somebody because sometimes it's good to see competition and let someone pick. Everybody wants to be number one, but if you look at PCT top 100, there's only one top 100, only one. And some of these big companies I know, they make it to 98. I would agree with your wife, which is really what this podcast is about. We obviously help directly and indirectly our competition, but the saying is something like a uh, rising tide raises all ships. And I think it's true. If you're at one level and you help the people that are at a level you were once at, you in turn are also going to continue to rise. Because Janae Rickwater, Jim Fredericks, I can name a bunch of people that when I first started, Faye Golden, Wayne, Jason Payne, these people that, that didn't even know me that said, hey, we want to help you. Because they felt as though 
we were in direct competition with them, but they said that if we help you, then we actually rise our business. We help our business. Uh, there's a great guy here named Dave Burns Pest Eliminations. He's a pilot about a, I don't know, $50 million company, private owned. And uh, I was uh, doing something and got a phone call out of nowhere from him and he wanted to meet me. So he said, when can you come over here? I said, uh, be there in an hour. I figured that I don't care what I had going on. They burned, look them up, they're beast. And so I was like, so this is a 2014 and I went over there and I met with him and he went in his boardroom and showed me all the stuff, all these different things. And I looked at him, I was like, what the hell is this guy talking about? But guess what? And he said, hey man, how many accounts you open in a month? I go, independently, me, probably, I don't know, about 60 myself. You know, every time I get a Yelp call, I go do the call and I go do the initial, I set it up and I add it to someone's route. So everyone I go to, I was opening up. And he, so he showed me all this stuff, man. And it was like, you're talking about business side. Well, man, but this guy was rolling around in the Astro band in the late sixties. So I'm just saying that like this show is always going to help people. Listen to people talk, listen to people's diversity, what they had going on, different things going to happen. It's going to be about how you bounce. What I found out, the more you're talking, every once in a while, you pick up a little gem from somebody that you can use. Mm -hmm. Then I guess they pick up some gems from you, but I found uh, we had that uh, New York City Pest Management Association, and sometimes it felt good that these guys, they were old. They were like 50. They were a lot younger than I am now, but they had the problem I was having, and they told me how they solved it, and it was really, communication is the key. I'm going to always reflect back to MPMA because uh, I was looking for help here in Arizona, and I, I couldn't get it out of anybody. I had to learn how to do all this stuff on my own. If you read the book, For the Love of the Game, Michael Jordan said that when he hit the pros, and you guys might not be a Jordan fan or whatever, I am, I'm from Chicago originally, and I'm like hardcore Chicago, okay? So um, being from New York, I appreciate Michael Jordan, but being a Knicks fan, yeah, he, I have some PTSD from him. But if you read the book, For the Love of the Game, he said, when I went to the NBA, I didn't really, I, I, I couldn't, I wasn't an NBA guy. And he said that, so what I did was I borrowed off of the experience of others. Every day, I borrow off the experience of others. So what am I? A product of my environment. I'm a product of all these people, all these different conferences that I've gone to for MPMA, listen to all these guest speakers and this and that. Burt Pedelman, I called him and talked to him. And he's the guy that owned Arizona Exterminating where Theron worked. And he sold the company. He's down in Miami or something. He's doing what he likes to do. But I'm just saying that this business will go full circle. You, you never know who's watching you. You just never know what's going to happen. But you just got to be really careful. And you have to stay on top of your game. I have a, a question. I know that you've called yourself the Scorpionator. Recently, we had Tony Gonzalez from Scorpion Repel on, I actually told him to reach out to you. So this is a couple of different questions. One, have you heard of Scorpion Repel? Have you used it? And if so, what'd you get from it? And two, some crazy Scorpion stories or, cause we don't know, we don't know anything about Scorpions. One of the advantages I had was I owned the company so I can go do whatever I want. I can go buy as much product as I want. So I looked at everything as a case study from day one. Now that when I started, there's 1300 pest control companies. Now there's 3000. Okay. So you got to stand out. So what I figured was, huh, what's the number one insect out here? What's going on? What problem issue? Scorpions. If you get rid of scorpions, what else are you going to get rid of? Everything else. I figured that I'm going to specialize in uh, scorpions, not just getting rid of them, but putting a program together where 
they are not being seen. <laughs> no reoccurrences and all that type of stuff. So I came up with this program where I use my power sprayer, three, four steps. Use my power sprayer, pound a foundation, hot spots, entry points, landscaping at about 300 PSI, slump block wall, this, that, and other thing, right? Then I set up where I would go out and caulk up the slump blocks, towers, because you got the panels, you got the slump block, and you got another panel. Scorpion, you got a little gap in there, scorpions hide in there. If you ask anyone about scorpions, where do you see them at? On my wall. They hide in there during the daytime, they come out during the nighttime. So what am I doing? I'm excluding them. So before I would caulk up the slump blocks, I would shoot delta dust, delta methylene in there with the you know bulb duster, just hit them all. And then I caulk them up right afterwards, right? Up to the top, across the top, up, up to the top and across. Then I do the same thing with the foundation. Came out there the next day, pounded with delta dust, delta dust. Then I get right on my back with, I have an electric caulk gun, get on my back, caulk up all the gaps on the, on the J trim and this and that, all the plumbing areas, anything from the ground up that I can caulk up. And then I just, then I started using a product. I don't know if I'm allowed to say a product or not on the show. Sure. Uh, Demand CS. You Demand CS at Max Great Strength. product. Yeah. The reason why I like Demand CS is because I remember when I was, first time I went to Univar, I said, hey man, let me get a, let me get a case of Demand CS. And the guy, Andrew Dada said, huh, scorpion juice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, wow, that must be a good product. If the CSR Univar is telling me it's scorpion juice. So I just started using scorpion juice and I never jeopardized my uh, final mix. I always use the label. I always use whatever the label said at max rate, which is probably about 0.06 ounce per gallon. Boom, boom. So when I went to people's houses on that initial call, I, I talked to them and I go, look, a lot, of, a lot of guys might come out here and say they can get rid of scorpions, this, that, and the other thing, but there's a process. I said, just like anything that you do in your life, there's a process, there's a plan. So if you want to put together a plan, I can help you. Otherwise, I can do this job because you're going to be hitting me up. You're going to see scorpions, this, that, and the other thing. And by the way, I did the same thing on the inside. Right. I, I skipped that. Did the same thing on the inside. And then also I have a, a, a BNG duster, the power duster, the reverse yeah. power duster. I would get up in the attic and dust the attic too. If you do all these different things I'm talking about, that's the absolute best you can do. There is nothing else you can do because Delta Dust is the hot product. Demand CS is the hot product. Can you tell me anything better you can do besides exclusion and Demand CS and Delta Dust? I always use the glue boards just to see, put a glue board here, there, whatever, you know, see what you got going on. You can find yeah. out how they're getting in and whatever. I didn't use the glue boards. Hey, I use glue boards. Like some people just throw them down as a part of their marketing strategy. I didn't never did all that, but no, but that's, but when I sat down with people, I put that whole program together. That's a grand thousand bucks. I figure, Hey, look, why should I go to someone's house and tell them I can spray their foundation and slump wall and baseboards and they're never going to see a scorpion again. But I couldn't open my company that easy. So I'm basically partnering with that person and being honest with them. Hey, look, these are the things we can do. I've been successful with them, but and I always crack a joke. And if it works, you better call me the Scorpionator. <laughs> That's funny. And I never, I'm going to be honest, I never missed on that whole thing. True IPM, Integrated Pest Management. Absolutely. Integrated Pest Management was something I learned back in the day when I, was started, when I st started learning about the anatomy of roaches. Because at first I would go into a restaurant and I'd go, yeah, I got that account, yeah. But then, hey, roaches, boy, boy, I figured I'm only making 300 bucks a month and this guy been back five times. So then I learned, these days when I go to a food services account, 
I, I demand that I meet all the staff. I want to meet all three shifts of staff. I go in the morning and I make them. If they say, no, I don't care. I get there in the morning. I meet everybody, walk around. Who are you? I'm the you know, pest management guy. No one never did that before while well, I'm doing this. And I walk around and I say, hey, look, look at this garbage can. Look at this. Look at that. I move the appliances back. Look, when was the last time you cleaned this? Not only that, you're there, I'm there, whoever the pest management professional is, a limited amount of time. These people work there eight hours a day, three shifts, 24 hours. So you got more eyes looking. And as good as I thought I was or am, those eyes helped me out. Tremendously. That's another thing. You have to remember at a restaurant, a lot of times they're making minimum wage or tips or combined, and they really sometimes don't know. So what I've been doing lately is I go to a restaurant and I go, hey, look, uh, the bar management, I go, get your phones out and film me. Okay? So you can just, you got to email to each other and learn. Sanitation is going to be why you are seeing gnats and roaches activity. Okay? Exactly. That's what I had said years ago. Yeah, we're, we're pest management professionals, but we're also educators. Absolutely. The more you talk to these people and tell them what they can do, the better you look. Like, this guy's a true professional. Yeah. He's taking his time. He's telling me what I can do to help. I mean, some of them blow you off, but some of them don't. And as you learn your trade and you learn more and more about it and these new techniques and new devices, as you communicate this to people, you become, I would say higher in their eyes, like, wow, this guy's a lot different than the other people. Don't leave the mops on the floor. Stand right. them upside well, down. I, no, I tell them, man, you know, every couple of months, swap all that stuff out. Don't put your canister over the drain. Your rubber glass mats, don't clean them and throw them back on their wet. Flip them over, make sure they're dry, and leave that uh, that little drain thing. Why are you seeing that? So I go in there because, and, and, I, and I try to meet every shift. And I try to do that maybe every couple of weeks. Initially, I try to get in there and keep talking to them. And then when you take the garbage out to the dumpster, don't twirl it and throw it and walk away while it's in midair. Walk it over there and make sure it's in the dumpster. Because you throw it and hits the garbage can, it's going to bust open. Now you got rats. You know what I mean? And I make sure I put all this on my service reports. Because your service report is going to mean a lot. It's going to cover your... I did a presentation with these guys. I told them about everything. I gave a demo on the product. I told them... I gave them all these different things. And then they're going to look up and they're going to, you know, they're going to... The manager might go, yo, you just came and left. Oh, no, I didn't. Here's my report, my whole duration I was here. Here's the video, the, this, that, the other thing. Hand them your phone. Let them videotape you giving a presentation. You're talking about a good industry and an industry hit very hard right now with this restaurant, which leads to another question. How COVID and the effects of COVID on your business, I did read and I was very sorry to hear that you had lost your mom to COVID. So condolences for that, Dave. Is that her? What's that? That's your mom? That's her urn. That's her urn. Francis Marshall, date of death, 420, 2020. I don't know if you remember back then, they were showing on the news. And my mom sat in one of those refrigerated trucks for 30 days. That's I'm a rough, that's that. a rough road. Yeah. I'm sorry for your loss, Dave. 47,372 at that point. No, whatever. So, so you were talking about how you learned how to use a B&G sprayer? So my story is, I went to work on a Saturday. I went to the guy's shop. He's okay, you're hired. He takes me across the street from his shop to a bar. He sprays, he goes, go ahead, do it. I sprayed, he goes, oh, you're a natural. Thank God he sent me out with my friend. And I learned that, yeah, it's pretty important, but my friend had a good rap. He knew how to talk to people. So I knew I gotta get a rap down. 
But after a couple of stops, I couldn't stand the smell of this. I said, I ain't going to do this. I can't stand this smell. They told me, don't tell the guy until he pays us. We went back. The guy paid me. I looked at the money. I said, shit. In one day, I made a little more than half. I make all week working at the bank. So I asked the guy, you want me to come back? He says, yeah, come back next Saturday. We get in my car. My friend tells me, he goes, what the hell happened? You can stand the smell. I says, yeah. What happened? We started drinking whiskey. I didn't like the taste of whiskey. How'd that work out? I said, for this kind of money, I, I, I think I could get used to it. And, and then it just, after two months, I was the world's greatest exterminator. Yep. And yeah. then I learned there was a lot more to this than what I knew. Because this guy just did homes. I was all doing homes and I met these other exterminators. They did big buildings. I was like, oh, I got to get into that. And eventually it just morphed until I started picking up my own stops on the side. And I started business I, on my own. I was doing 900 a month. I had an apartment for 120. I got a store for $55 a month. And I broke my butt for about 10 years, hiring guys, firing guys. I had to learn more about hiring. And after about 10 years, and, and along the way, I was helped by other guys, suppliers, like you were helped by Univar. At that time, we had this guy worked for your chemical, helped me along, cleaned up my act. And thank God it worked out. Everything has changed dramatically. Certainly, we went through a phase in the late 80s, 90s, where we were killing everybody. This pesticide was killing the world. I remember getting on an elevator in a hospital, doing some QA mm -hmm. uniform on, and this young doctor gets on. He goes, how many people you killed today? I told him, not as many as you. Your insurance is about five times what mine is. Go yeah. figure that. I think this COVID has kicked us a little bit. But it's also helped us that we were considered a, what is it called, Joey? Essential industry. And then here in New York, they were all screaming about rats and everything. And we got a lot of good press about that. Right. And I think it helped us, that movie Rats helped us a bit. And it's just changed so, so much. It's, you talked to everybody now. Everybody's talking about you marketing. My marketing was limited on a handball court once in a while. I went to a one year, I must have went to every meeting for every politician and God knows who. But we didn't have the we didn't have the internet or anything like that. But thank God we prospered. And but it's it's so much better now. I used to go do a QA report for someplace. I had this little Palm Pilot. I take it back. They type it up. We'd fax it to them. I did a QA at a hospital out in Jersey. And I sent it into the office. I stopped. I had some coffee in the hospital. I'm walking out. Somebody goes, wait what do you mean by this? And I'm like, holy God, they got the report before I even got out of this place. This is amazing. So yes, the industry has changed for the better dramatically. But I'm going to say that when I learned how to play tennis when I was 14, I learned how to play tennis from a guy that was 62. Okay. I have a power tennis game because I used to hit with him all day. So get out of school, go hit. I was looking forward to that. So what, what am I saying is that you have to really ask for help and look for it. Because lots of times, if you ask for help, then people... Generally, well, like, how'd you make out with your yard? Who taught you about that? Or you just knew it? I, I had so many landscapers, man. I just borrowed experience off each one of them. And then what <laughs> I did was, it's like when I first started a music business, I needed to meet all the DJs. I needed that music choice because I was doing the blogs. And so I hired these marketing guys that were doing all the Bone Thugs promotions, General and a few other guys. And I would hit them up. I didn't know any DJs. So while I was talking to them. I was Googling names. I was like, hey, what about DJ Enough? Uh, what about this? What about that? What about Hot 97? Who's the number one DJ there? And as I was doing that, 
I was learning. And, you know, then I, that's how I met DJ Mecca and all those people up at Music Choice and this, that, and the other thing. So I always like had to borrow off the experience of others to get where I'm at. That, but I want to talk about COVID real quick. But COVID-19 is, to me, is a, is a, a business issue. You have to, in business, no matter if it's COVID-19 or if it's you lost some customers or if something happened, you lost a tech, three, three techs quit, whatever. You always got to be on top of your game to be able to figure out the way to make things happen. So with COVID-19, essential workers, I just got up every morning with everyone else and we just did the best we could. And we just learned on the fly. The good thing was, like you said, essential workers, as sometimes we're the only ones on the street. I didn't see anybody on the street yeah. in 2020, February, March, April, May, nobody. I didn't see anyone. Restaurants were closed. It was crazy. I took, I made sure I documented it. I documented, I took a bunch of videos. Hey, I'm the only one out here. Check this out. I dropped that on you know, Instagram or whatever. Cause I stayed active and I just stayed in the game. I just figured that as long as I didn't just sit back and put my feet up and just try to figure out what, what everyone else is doing. I just did what was best for David in Arizona Pet Squad. My dad used to always say, sometimes, sometimes adversities are blessings in, you know, blessings in disguise. You, you know what I mean? I think that we all learn a lot from COVID. You can appreciate uh, this, being that you lived in New York. The, during the height of COVID, really, like, the, the day after everything shut down in New York, we had to get everybody N95 masks. Everybody had the regular respirator, but we wanted to get them N95 masks because you could it last longer. So I wake up in the morning and I'm getting ready to drive to Manhattan. I'm, I'm doing a route, handing out these masks to my guys. And I'm preparing for normal rush hour, which from where I live would take an hour <laughs> and a half to two hours. I got into Manhattan in 18 minutes. Yeah, nobody. But I got from 114th Street to 14th Street in five minutes. Yep. And... I had to reverse and go around through Times Square. It was like a scene out of a movie. There was like two people. You could see like papers flying. It was a ghost town in Times Square, 42nd and 8th Avenue, 7th Avenue, nothing. Crazy. I can just vision Times Square with papers in the air and this and that. It had to be nuts. I, mm -hmm. I, I really, one reason I want to do the show because you guys are leaders, man. It's, you guys are out there and you guys Thank are you. prominent people. I hear people talking about your show and your and your, and your business ethic and, and your leadership strategies and whatnot. Everybody loves you guys. And I think that probably a lot of a lot smaller companies that are trying to open up, they look at you guys and they probably, they mirror, mirror it. They got to mirror it. That's really why we started this, to help yeah, the same we thing. We do get a, a lot of these guys, they, they uh, send us questions. We have that question and answer session. Mm -hmm. And I smile. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that problem. I could help you there. Yeah. The good thing about the, what's it called, the digest on MPMA, is that you can drop a question on there, right? On the daily yeah. digest or whatever it's called in MPMA, put a question on there, and you might get 15 answers from people all over the world. Listen, man, you can print that out and show your customer and go, look, this is my blog, and this is all these different people from all, all over. And then you just gave yourself a strike. Bring up a good point. You can talk to people. And sometimes they question, but if you could show them something printed on a piece of paper, it makes a big difference. That's what I always, oh. so we're back to square one where I said, you got to stand out because no one was doing that. No one was showing people stuff. What I, what I call it is, I call it including them in it because when I interviewed people before I launched the company, I invested it, I interviewed people and people were disappointed that guy would just show up, leave a note on the door. They didn't know what he did. He didn't talk to him. If he did talk to him, he grunted. 
And I just think that, hey, man, why not make this a good experience instead of just like some guy showing up? So what I do, so I, I start racking up reviews because I meet people. I walk them out to my truck and I go, hey, look, this is a Dodge Ram 2500. You're looking at one of the top rigs in North America. This is how I designed it. It's all about the service I'm providing. I got this and that and this. And I pop my toolbox open. I go, boom, all these are name brand products. Demand CS, Sidejetta, whatever. I show them all that stuff. And I go, hey, here's my label book. You want to copy one of the labels or whatever? And here's a copy of my license, my this. My, I show them everything like that, man. And then I go, now let's go inside. You're done. That's a done deal. You're sold. Yeah. It's wrapped up. Because no one's doing that. So by the time you do something like that, and then you walk them inside, you show them your tools, your safety kit. You show them why you got to have the safety kit, what the Department of Ag requires you to have. And I got it. I'm not shortcutting. Then you're actually showing them why you're charging that price. Because this stuff costs money. So when you hit them at a buck 50, they agree with you. They're like, yeah, man, they're nodding with you. But if you just walk in the door and go, hey, it's going to be uh, 125, why? You're trying, now you're trying to sell it after the fact. You got to get them in there before you, let's not talk price, sir. Let me just show you what I got going on. Now, you guys might not be able to do it like that in a big city. I think your guys have uh, those rollers with them or something like that, or they have belts. Some of, some of our, our walk-in techs have a couple of different carry cases, but we have trucks on the road. Yeah, you guys are done. You don't have to do all that. I'm just talking about when I started. When I started- no, It's the right way to start. You're right, to show what you're worth and then tell them what it costs. And then also because there were so many pest control companies, man. Those guys out there that were doing unlicensed, you go on YouTube or on a Craigslist. Those guys out there doing $10 jobs. I got a guy on Craigslist gonna do it for 10 bucks. But they won't even tell you that if you do what I just said. By the time I walk them out there and show them my, that's why I got the big hot truck. Show them my 2,500 mega cab with, tools and a custom box and this and that all for you, sir. This is all to make sure I do the best possible service for you. Cause it's all about you. Not about me. This is your time right now. So I figured that these guys will come and, and they make it like their time. They knew everything. You go to someone's house, let them tell you what they got going on. You can't be Mr. Know-it-all. Shut up, let them talk. And just ask another little question. Keep letting them talk. They'll exhaust themselves. And then it's all your show, man. You, yeah. you do a great presentation on all that stuff. You had to make 350. So Dave, you said you. you started in 2011? Uh, yeah, 2011, we, we sat at the table. Me and my wife and her brother sat at the bar and we figured we'd pop this company off. Yep. So, I have, so 10 years I in, look, 10 years is nothing to sneeze at, Dave. Congratulations on that for sure. I know you listen to the podcast. One of the things that we talk about often is company culture. How would you describe Arizona Pest Squad's company culture? Everyone's an owner. Everyone's an owner. That's it. Whatever you do is going to affect that guy in the middle. Everyone's an owner. You go out there in that car, that, that's your office. Everybody got a brand new car when they first started. This is your office. If you look at it like that, everyone's an owner, then the teamwork. And then from an from a owner standpoint, like I said earlier, give everyone the tools and, and the power and the education to make them all successful. And I always tell people the same thing. Hey, look. You might not want to work here for the rest of your life. However, you might want to open your own company. I did it already. If you listen to me, talk to me, maybe you might want to go work for BSF. You might want to go to move to New York and work with economy. Uh, you might want to leave, whatever. But at least you can get some foundation from me and I can show you how to, you can skip all the, the steps of making mistakes. Because I know you, you, might, you might run a you know, 150 piece route for 
you know, 18 months and get burnt out. Who knows what's going to happen? Who knows? I, I, you can't guarantee tomorrow, but at least you can learn a lot from me. And that's the culture because people always need to learn. And I learned that from people like yourself. Just always be on top of your game. The culture, we can go on and on. I just think that if everyone looked at themselves as an owner, that's a wrap. I had a thing with my guys. I, I bought all that routes off guys and stuff. And we worked on that route. We raised a few prices. That, adjusted the uh, routes so they were more uniform, more more compact. And I tell the guy, you want to go into your own business? You can buy this route. You're going to be my partner. You're going to give me $1,000 a month and say the route was doing 120. You build it up to 300, whatever. At the end of the five years, I just want my half at 120, whatever it is back, whatever it's 300, that's yours. And I made some really good friends from former workers. And one guy called me, said, I got this big job. I can't do it. What can you do for me? I said, you get the first month of regular service. And, but they became good for other guys didn't want to do termite work. So I actually had made money and I had a feeder company that would feed me different types of work. They got a commission for it. But everybody knew that if they saved up a few bucks, they one day could own their own business. We would show them how to buy, sell, whatever. And I did that, I think, with three guys. One guy became a lawyer, wanted to sell me the rent back. I, I, I went to school at night and became a lawyer. God damn, that's so good for you. So you, know, you, you get a good feeling that, first of all, somebody did well, you helped them, and people say, yeah, you made money. No shit. I'm a capitalist. I'm entitled to that money. What would they, what would they done without me? So now the guy's supporting his family, a couple of guys working for him, and he's a happy camper. What's wrong with that? It's almost like um, if you look at teachers, they have a class of 60 people, and they go out and they develop a life. And then they go out and they make money for themselves. And they look at you and they go, wow, you're my teacher, man. Thanks. So what am I doing now? They might wind up being a teacher. They might wind up being a doctor, lawyer, uh, you know, it's funny you say that because when I had sold my business, I got offered uh, a job in Rikers Island teaching guys pest control. I'm like, oh my God. Anyway, that was a waste of the city's money because some of these guys were right, but I don't remember anybody getting a job out of it. I don't remember anybody <laughs> taking the test. But then I got uh, this nonprofit. They said, we have guys, they're homeless. I could tell me the truth. Some of them are homeless. When I get out of prison, they need a place to live. And we're looking to start a pest control company. I said, what kind of company? Because I'm not going to teach you how to run a company that's going to compete against my son. But they were doing all these shelters. And so I got a good feeling. I got guys jobs and turn their lives around. Like, oh, my God, I got a job. And of course, you always get the wise ass. I made more selling drugs. How much did you make when you were in jail? And how much did your lawyer cost? Oh, excuse me. I probably paid for your lawyer. Yeah. So you don't have to look over your shoulder. And then they tell me stories like I got sent up because I had four guns. What do you need four guns? It's tough be selling drugs. I go, I'm sorry. I'm not familiar with that. Excuse me. But <laughs> when you saw guys shine and then some of them still talk to me. So you gave back a little. Everyone's not going to work. It's not going to work. That's why I got a general idea thing to work or not. And what they, you I know. It's, so, you know, then you interview a guy and he might be a better CSR. He might be a better inventory guy or whatever. He might be a better guy to go to the conference for you to 
promote your company. Who knows? But one thing is for sure, if you give everybody a chance, you can change their life. This is one of those businesses. You can I, I want to make one other comment, though. I thought that it was essential to, to line up early on with a routing company, with a, a business partner. So what I did was, my wife did a bunch of research, and she found Service Suite, right, in Columbus, Ohio. My wife is from Columbus, Ohio. So she was talking to this guy named Ka. She was like, hey, we just opened this pest control company, this and that. My name is Amy Bobbitt. And, Bob, and Ka goes, Amy Bobbitt, is your mom named Dottie? She said, yeah, my mom's a school teacher, Dottie, yeah. She said, your mom taught me English. I was five years old, man. Your mom was my teacher. You know, so I was like, oh, so sign up with those guys. So I was like, how can we do it differently? At the time, Kyle was there. So I go, well, let's go out there and do in-house in, in training. And they were like, we can't do that. No one never done that before. I go, well, we're willing to, she's from Columbus, her mom. This would be like a reunion. And they were like, okay. So we went out to serve suite 2012. We did in-house training. At the time, I was so busy trying to start the company. And I was more on the phone out in the hallway than learning. I looked at Surpro as a business partner early on. I wasn't trying to be all over the place. I wanted to make sure that by 2013, I had a strong foundation of what direction we were going to go in. We had a routing company. We had this, we had that. We had all these different things. So we can now think about other things, customer yeah. service, ethics, and growth, substantial growth. Yeah. And it sounds like that's what happened and good for you. Congratulations. I've watched you through social media grow and I've enjoyed it. This has been a long time coming, this interview. I'm glad we were finally to get it on the books. David Marshall, again, from Arizona Pest Squad. David, we've gone over a lot. I thank you. Covered a lot. Very helpful stuff, certainly for people starting out and as we continue to grow. Is there anything else that you want to leave the people with or something you want to say? Yeah, I do want to say that in this market right now, don't be afraid to, let, to li listen to your customers. Let them talk. And also don't be afraid to uh, get selfies with them. Get selfies with and make sure you give back to the community, pay it forward, make those donations, tie yourself up with a good charity. Sometimes it's not about how much money you give them. You can offer assistance in other areas, maybe uh, no charge pest control. Maybe some of your customers have stuff in their garage that they don't need. You can get that passed out, uh, get photographs with your people, do viral marketing. And this day and time, pop a selfie with your customer. Another happy customer, whatever it is. And these days and times, I say, get, a, get set up with your state association. <laughs> Get set up with the state association because they need you and support MPMA and always ask for help. I, I remember when I met Stuart Aust. I don't know if you know who Stuart Aust is, but no, I, I, was, I listened to him speak at a PCT thing for MPMA. And before he stopped speaking, I stood outside that door like this. <laughs> I said, I'm going to catch that guy. And I waited outside and everyone bombed out and I grabbed him. Hey, you got 30 seconds? And he gave me like 10, 15 minutes. So what am I saying is that there's people, leaders out there like yourself and your dad and other people that, that want to help you. This is one of those only businesses that can happen. And I learned that. I'm not saying I took advantage of everything that I could. You can only do so much. But stay, stay, stay up with the sign of the times and watch the show. <laughs> stay on the show. You'll learn a lot from people like you guys. Thank you. Sheen, you want to uh, take us out over there? Over there. Over here. Mr. and Mrs. American All Ships at Sea, this is Ed Sheehan for Colony Confidential. This is one of the best interviews we've ever done. I suggest you listen to it carefully, maybe repeat it a couple of times, because you're going to learn a lot. Dave, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And I look forward to seeing you in Las Vegas. <laughs>